Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. This reading this morning is from the book of Genesis. It is chapter 28, beginning at verse 10. You'll find it on uh, page 22 in the Pew Bibles. The section is entitled, Jacob's Dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Wayne. How many of you here, like me, need glasses? You might not have them on now. You have some, yeah. So I've had glasses a long time since I was in grade four, and I find it impossible really to see without them. Like many of you, if I didn't have my glasses on now, I would not be able to distinguish your faces. And uh, sometimes this happens to me, you know, like I'm swimming, and then like later someone sees me and they're like, you totally ignore me. I'm like, honey, I did not see you. Like I can't, I have no ability to do that. And like many of you with glasses, I've always imagined what it would be like to wake up one day and see perfectly. One of the things I think of is, imagine being able to see the alarm clock. Yeah, you have that feeling? Wouldn't that be cool? So there's this desire to just wake up and see perfectly. Well, a few years ago, I decided I'm going to let that dream come true. I'm going to get LASIK eye surgery. Maybe some of you have had that. So I've heard so many people that had had that. They say, it's the best thing I ever did for myself. Absolutely wonderful. Never have to wear glasses again. Can see when I go swimming. Can see when I wake up. I'd always put it off because when it first came out, maybe some of you remember, like 30 years ago, it was very, it was kind of more risky, right? It was considered more risky. It was really expensive. But I'd heard, of course, that it had gotten much safer and much cheaper. In fact, about 
someone had told me they'd been able to get the whole thing for about $2,500, which, while a lot of money, seemed pretty reasonable when I did the math of how much I spend on glasses every two years. And I had some insurance to cover it. I thought, this is it. I'm going to live this dream. So I went to the place where you can get laser eye surgery, and I had the consultation, and they did the whole thing. It's like two hours long, and then you sit down at the end with the doctor, and they explain all the process. And of course, they began by saying, you know, the most simple procedure, which about 95% of people can have, uh, looks like this. And it was the one that my friends had had that they'd explained to me. They said, sure enough, about $2,500 altogether. Takes, you know, you have to take a day or two off. Within a couple days, you should be able to see again. Relatively minor day surgery. But they said, you're in the other 5%. So maybe some of you had this. So I don't know if you know this or notice, but I have big eyes. They're, they're less noticeable with my glasses on, but they're big. And uh, I've spent my life being made fun of for how big my eyes are. And so I was actually told, your eyes are too big for the regular surgery. That is literally why. So they said, uh, you have to do this other thing, maybe something and it, like involves cutting. I would, have to take, I would have to be on a week bed rest. I'd have to probably take off the two weeks off work. I should allow a couple months before I drove again, and it would cost $9,000. So Liam was out. <laughs> So my dream of waking up and being able to see perfectly remained a dream. I will rely with gratitude on my glasses. But maybe some of you have had that hope as well, that you'd just be able to see everything clearly. And maybe where you really have that hope, much more than with your eyes, is with your life. <laughs> right? That you would love to wake up one day and everything in front of you would just be clear. It would make sense. You would have... 2020 vision. Wouldn't that be great? This is the year 2020. Now, maybe you've noticed that it's kind of a thing for people to make a lot of 2020 vision jokes about 2020. In fact, I think it's sort of a rule that churches are preaching on this. I've noticed a lot of churches saying this, right? We're going to talk about 2020 vision for 2020. We're going to talk about having a clear vision for the year 2020. I understand Hamilton had the whole thing with that a number of years ago, 2020 and 2020. And so I did want to talk about vision, and that's what we're going to do. For the next number of weeks, actually, we're going to talk each week about someone in the Bible who had a vision, a vision of God, and a lot of people did. We're going to talk about what we can learn about it. But I have not called this series uh, 2020 Vision or Having Vision for 2020 for a couple reasons. One, once I heard everyone else was doing it, then I was like, eh. And two, uh, and the more important reason is because I actually don't think that God's vision is often 2020. So I'm going to tell you a bit more about that and why I'm going to how I'm going to explain that is with the story that Wayne read earlier, the story of Jacob, that perhaps made some of you start having flashbacks to high school dances and the last slow dance of the evening. Anyone else? No? Just me? Okay. Stairway to heaven, if you missed the reference there. So we, had a man, we met a man named Jacob who had a vision of a stairway to heaven. But before we understand why this vision is so meaningful, I think we need to know a little bit more about Jacob. And we need to actually know a bit about his grandfather and his father and go a little bit further back. And some of you will know this, and to some of you it will be new. So early in the Bible, God comes to a man named Abraham. We talk about this a lot because this is really important. And he says to him, you are going to be the father of a great nation. You're the one through whom uh, your descendants are going to fulfill the plan I have for the world. Because ultimately, his descendant would be Jesus. And he says, you're going to have a great land. You're going to have a lot of children. You're going to be a great nation. 
Abraham had a son named Isaac, and then Isaac married Rebekah and had two children that were actually twins. And we read their story in Genesis 25. And I'm going to read a little bit of it to you. And it begins by saying uh, that actually the two of them, they're twins, but it says that the Lord said to her, and this is to Rebecca, their mother, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Now that was significant because in the ancient world, the first person born was the carrier of the family line. They had the blessings. So Esau was born first. So theoretically, he should have been the one that got all the inheritance. And some of us will remember when that was the thing, that the oldest son got everything. And some of us uh, maybe were very used to that and it was very much prevalent at the time. Um, and then we read, that this, as they, we read that they grew up, and the next story reads says that Jacob and Esau are adults, and one day Esau comes in from the field. He was a hunter, and Jacob has made a delicious stew, and he says to Jacob, give me some stew. I'm starving. I can only assume it was really good stew. I don't know. And, and Jacob says, fine, I'll give you the stew if you sell me your birthright. And Esau does. Now, again, I'm assuming he was starving. And so he gives this birthright, which is this right to be sort of the heir. So right away, we see this tension. And then we get to uh, Genesis 27. And there's another story. And we see that what happens now is that Isaac is dying. And so he says to Esau, his oldest son, his firstborn, even though they're twins, so they were close, he says, um, I'm dying, and I want to give you my blessing, my parental blessing. So he says, go and prepare a meal for me. So Esau, who was a hunter, goes and he hunts. And while he goes off hunting, Rebekah, his mother, who sometimes I think gets a little unfairly judged here as being manipulative. Remember, God told Rebekah, the younger will rule the older, right? God had told her that's how it had to be. And so she intervenes does seem a bit sneaky. And so she takes uh, Jacob aside and she says, you need to go to your father and get his blessing. So Jacob, we read, puts um, animal fur on his arms because Esau was really hairy and Isaac couldn't see anymore. And he goes and he brings food to him and he says, I'm here, it's your son Jake, it's your son Esau. And even though Isaac is kind of doubtful, he says, okay, well, if you're Esau, and then he proceeds to give him this blessing, this parental blessing. And we read later this very, very sad story that Esau comes back and he says, uh, Esau says, I'm your son. He says, his father Isaac asked him, who are you? I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came. I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. And when Isaac heard his father's word, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me too, bless me, father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau was mad. And we go on to read that he's angry and he's going to kill Jacob. So Jacob goes on the run. Rebecca says, go, go to my father's people. She hasn't been there in a long time. When she married, she moved there. Remember, there's no email. And so she, they're far away. 
and he goes on the run. And this is when we find this story. Jacob is literally running for his life. He is alone. He is by himself. He has had to leave his whole family. He has the weight of all of this on his shoulders. And it says he runs until sunset, and basically he stops where he gets tired and where it's dark. And he lies down, says he uses a rock for a pillow. I don't know why you wouldn't just lie on the ground. Like, it still seems better. Anyway, and so he's lying, and he has a dream. And in this dream, it says he sees a stairway, and it's on the stairway. There are angels going up and down to heaven, and God is at the top. Now, the word for stairway here in the original Hebrew, salam, we're not actually sure, uh, salam, exactly what it means. It could mean stairway. It could mean ladder. Sometimes when you read, sometimes you'll read translations that say a ladder to heaven. Sometimes you'll say a stairway. But what is really important here is that there's this image of earth and heaven meeting right? Earth and heaven meet, and that God is there, and he has this access to God's presence. And God tells, and God says to him so clearly, he says this promise again, I'm the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and all peoples will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. It's pretty great. And so it says he wakes up, and you know, remember, he's just stopped in this random place, and he says, God was here, and I didn't know it. And then he makes this pillar out of this monument out of the rock on which he lay. It's a beautiful story. And it might seem like, well, that kind of sounds like the thing you talked about. Like he woke up and he's like, I see it now. It's clear. Right when I was talking about waking up and being able to see if you have glasses, it may sound like just the thing that I've been saying uh, I so long for. And it may sound like just the thing that you wish for. I wish I could have a dream and wake up and everything would be clear that I could have eh, 20-20 vision. But the interesting thing here is that I think what we see about Jacob's vision is that it's actually quite different than that. And let me point out a few things. I want to point out three things about it. And I think it reminds us of how the way God leads us. And when I say vision, I mean the way God leads us, even if it's not in a dramatic dream or speaking from heaven, how often it looks like this type of vision. And the first thing is that the vision is not new. This isn't a new vision. This is an affirmation of an old truth that Jacob would have already known and he would have heard before. When God came to Abraham, we read in Genesis 22 these words. God said to Abraham, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of the enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Sound familiar? Uh, they're almost identical. What he says to him is the promise he already knew. He says the same thing. He says, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing through your descendants. I think sometimes, and actually more often than not, if I'm honest, God reminds as much as God reveals. Let me say that again. God reminds as much as God reveals. And what he does when he gives us his vision is he reminds us of things that we may already know, but sometimes we just forget or we need to hear again. And to Jacob, he reminded him, I have a plan for your life, and I am with you. And I often find this is how God speaks. 
many years ago, in one of the more meaningful moments of my life, one of the times that I so feel God so clearly spoke to me, I was 22, and I was working in Newfoundland. I was working as a youth pastor, and I was feeling really stuck. I did not know what was next for me, but I just felt like I needed something else. And we were in a youth worship service, and I took some time, and I was praying. And I remember praying to God, and I had my hands, like, my head just on my hands, and I remember I was weeping, and I just was praying over and over, God, show me what to do. Tell me what to do. Show me what to do. Tell me what to do. This was my prayer. Tell me, tell me, show me, show me. I just want to know what to do. And after I'd prayed a bit, a few minutes later, uh, a pastor came up to me that I knew, and he said, Leanne, could I pray with you? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) sure. So I still remember this prayer vividly. It was very short. And I remember he came beside me, put a hand on my shoulder, and he said, God, I want to lift Leanne up before you. And I know that you want to tell her that you are pleased with her. And I've never forgotten that prayer. I was like, God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And God's like, you're okay, (laughs) right? I'm pleased with you. It's enough. That was the message, that God wasn't there waiting to say, do more, do more, do more. God reminded me of my relationship with God. And I see this all the time. Some time ago, I was in a small group in a Bible study, and there was someone who was looking for direction in their life. They were really struggling. And so we agreed to pray for them. And so we all gathered around, and in a similar way, we each laid a hand on their shoulder. And I said, we're all just going to take a moment. We're going to take a couple minutes of quiet. Each of us, let's just pray and ask God to tell us if there's something we feel God has for us to say to our friend. And when we're done, we'll just see if God has laid anything on your heart. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Just see if there's an idea that comes to you, and we'll share and see if God wants to speak through us to our friend. And so after this time of silence, I, uh, we paused and I said, so does anyone have anything that was on their mind? It was quiet and no one said anything. And then I said, okay, well, I'll go, because, but I'm sorry, it's probably not going to seem very clear. But I said, for like the last five minutes, I've been sitting here and all I can think is, tell them that I love them. And so I just said, God loves you. And then the next person said, Leanne, that's exactly what I felt like I had to say. And then the next person said, Leanne, that's exactly what God told me to say. And person after person said, I think God just wants to tell you that they love you. See, sometimes God reminds. And that's the revelation that God is with us and loves us, even if we don't always know the next things, even if it's not revealing the new path. And so that's something we see in Jacob too. It wasn't a new step. Notice he never told him where to go next, what to do, what to say, when he'd come back. He said, here's the promise, it's still true, and I'm still with you. In Jacob's vision as well, it also didn't tell him that everything was going to be easy or that he was going to get to skip the hard stuff, right? Jacob didn't get to skip to the end of the story. God did say, you're going to come back one day, and I'll be with you until that moment, but he didn't tell him the in-between, and the in-between was hard. Some of you know the story. Jacob got to Haran. He met his uncle Laban. And when he got there, he immediately fell in love with uh, Laban's daughter, so his cousin, Rachel. And he says, can I marry her? And Laban says, sure. If you work for me for seven years, then I'll let you marry my daughter. So Jacob does. He works for seven years for free. And then on the night of the wedding, women were veiled for their wedding. Um, His uncle tricks him and marries him off to his older daughter named Leah. He wakes up to discover he's married to Leah surprise. And so he says, what's the deal? And so he says, well, you have to work seven more years for Rachel. So he works 14 years. 
in this situation, right, where he is not getting uh, treated well. Uh, he does end up getting a lot of wealth there through his own uh, wits and all those things and God's blessing ultimately. He does eventually go back, but it's years and years later. And it, uh, he does is reconciled with Esau. But that's a lot later in the story. There's a lot of hard stuff in the middle. And God doesn't give any promise that that's going to be skipped. That his vision will include just getting to the next easy or straightforward or clear thing. I'm sure there were a lot of times when he was in Haram with Laban that he was like, I don't know what God meant when he said like he was going to bring me back and everything was, he was going to be with me because I'm still here. <laughs> What's going on? And maybe you felt that too. I'm still here. What's going on? Why aren't things getting clearer? So on one hand, Jacob's vision wasn't new. It didn't tell him everything was just going to instantly work out. And the other thing is that the vision didn't give him the whole picture. And I've already implied this. Remember, it didn't say, so Jacob, you're going to go to Rand, then you're going to work for 14 years, and you're going to get married. It's going to work out. You're going to have lots of kids. You'll come back. Here's the year you'll come back. Here's what will happen with Esau. It told him none of that. When he left, he still didn't know where he'd end up. He didn't know when he'd come back. He didn't know if he'd be reconciled with Esau. He did not know every step on the journey. He just told him to keep trusting because what God gave was enough. And I don't know about you, but there's so many times I've said, you know, I'd be okay with where I am now if I just knew where it was going to end up. Any of you? I remember being in my 20s and saying, like, I don't mind being single if I just knew I would get married. Like, if God just told me I'm going to be married one day, I'd just be able to relax right now. I remember saying this out loud. And that's just one example. But God never says anything like that to Jacob. God says, my plan's still going. My plan's at work. I'm still doing my thing, and I'm here for you. And Jacob wakes up and says, God is in this place. And he moves forward. Jacob did not have a LASIK eye surgery kind of vision. Right? He did not wake up and know exactly what was going to happen when, exactly the next step to take. What he had was a reminder from God. And that vision was one that was enough for him. And sometimes we do want more, right? We want God to say, here's the roadmap. Tell me, we want to say, God, tell me what job to take. Tell me what house to buy. Tell me what to do next. Tell me each of these steps. But God's vision rarely works like that. It's not like waking up with 20-20 vision and everything's perfect. I think it's more like when someone says, we know you can't see perfectly, so instead I'm going to walk beside you and guide you every step of the way. That's what God's vision is like. The one that says, even when you can't see it all, I'm with you. Because God wants us to trust him. And that's what allows us to grow in that relationship with God. And God gives us promises too. There's a lot of promises in scriptures, and maybe today you need that reminder. And so for us, the vision often does look like reminders, reminders from God's word. God has said all of these things to us. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. He says, if I, Jesus said, if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Those are God's reminders to us, and they are still true. And so I want to tell you that if you're going into 2020, and you don't have a 2020 vision for this year, if things don't feel perfectly clear, if you're not perfectly certain of exactly what you should do, if you wish there was just a little more clarity, do not be discouraged. You are not alone. 
And what I want you to remember is that when Jacob had this vision from God, this stairway to heaven, that he was at what was probably the worst part of his life, the part where he was most alone, most confused, most lost, most in pain, and God was there. God said, I am here in the midst of you being lost, in the midst of you hurting, in the midst of you feeling totally abandoned, in a place where you never dreamed I would be. And it's so powerful to Jacob that he takes a stone, the stone he was sleeping on, much bigger than this, I'm sure, and he anoints it and he changes the name of the place, because this is just a regular place, right? And then he changes it to Bethel, which means house of God. If you've ever wondered why there's a thousand churches named Bethel, that's why. It means house of God. (laughs) And so he says, this place, this land, this place right here is the house of God. This is what I remember. And he puts a stone down. And it was something that people did in the ancient world a lot. They would move stones because when a stone was moved in a way that couldn't naturally be moved, it meant that something had happened there. And so this was a common thing. And so this was his way of saying something has happened here, something unusual. God is present here. And he leaves a stone. And he does come back. And I want to assure you that God is with you in this place, in this time going into 2020, that the vision may not always be perfectly clear, but the clarity we have is that God is with us. The clarity we have is that God will never leave us. The clarity we have is that God has made promises that God never breaks. And so today I have brought some stones. I'm going to leave them at the back and uh, because they're heavy to pass around. And if you want on your way out today, I invite you to take a stone. And if you want at some point, somewhere in your house, somewhere in your life, maybe in your office, when you just need to remember, I may feel alone and I may not know where I'm going and I may not know what to do next, but you know what? God is here. That's where you can place one of those stones. God's here. God's in this place. And he will keep reminding me. Let me pray for us. God, I pray for us as people who are longing to know you more. I pray you would speak to us. During this season of Seeking Vision, we're going to have a time of prayer together each day. And what we're going to do today, we're going to do different types of prayer as we seek vision for our own lives and for our church. Today, we're going to use silence. And this is one we use uh, in many ways. And we acknowledge that it will not be perfectly silent. That's impossible. So let's say we're using quiet. So our prayer practice today is to sit for the next two minutes in quiet and to say, God, we are seeking you. When that's done, I'll give you eyes to start singing, Leanne. And as we do that, may we be aware that God is speaking to us, that God may remind us of something, or you may not hear much of anything at all, but yet we can remember that God is still someone who wants to reveal himself to us. And I pray God's blessing as we do that.